When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, it's Nathan Eckersley here. Before we get into the new episode of my podcast, I do need to warn you. On this episode, you might hear me asking you to send me a message with your opinion. I love hearing your opinions, but the messages you hear me reading out on air are from the live broadcast of the podcast, which takes place on Wizard Radio Station every Sunday from 3pm UK time. If you want to get involved, make sure you listen live then. Please don't try to send in any messages for this episode, as your message won't be read, but you might still be charged. Anyway, that's the legal bit done, now on to the show. I'm Nathan Eckersley, and on the show this week, we are looking at the state of the Conservative Party at the moment, and asking if Boris Johnson will still be leader by the end of the year, as well as who his successor might be. I'll also be looking at higher education, and asking if too many young people are going to university. It's a packed show, and I want to hear from you, so let's go. Johnson could be one of the most unfortunate Prime Ministers the UK has ever had. Immediately upon entering office, he was running a minority government in the midst of a constitutional crisis. As soon as he won a huge majority at a snap general election, he had to deal with a global pandemic, and just as that is coming to an end, he's leading the international response to a war in Europe. He's dealt with issues which on their own could define a premiership, but to have them one after the other really is unprecedented. Despite this, the Prime Minister has not always stepped up and has repeatedly let down the voters who supported the Conservatives in 2019. There is growing anger and frustration with Boris Johnson in his party at the moment, and that was reflected this week during a House of Commons debate on whether to hold an investigation into whether the Prime Minister had misled Parliament over Downing Street parties during lockdown. Listen to what William Ragg, a fierce critic of Boris Johnson, had to say in the debate. We have been working in a toxic atmosphere. The Parliamentary Party bears the scars of misjudgments of leadership. There can be few colleagues on this side of the House, I would contend, enjoying being members of Parliament at the moment. It is utterly depressing to be asked to defend the indefensible. Each time, part of us withers. Even those who have been his biggest supporters are now beginning to lose confidence in him. Listen to what former Johnson ally and previous guest on this show, Steve Baker, had to say during that same debate in a surprising change of heart. I'm afraid I'm now in a position where I have to acknowledge that if the Prime Minister occupied any other office of senior responsibility, if he was a Secretary of State, if he was a Minister of State, a Parliamentary Undersecretary, a Permanent Secretary, a Director General, if he was the chief executive of a private company or a board director, he would be long gone. The reason that he is not long gone is because removing a sitting prime minister is an extremely grave matter, and goodness knows people will know I've had something to do with that too. It's an extremely grave matter, an extremely big decision, and it tends to untether history. And all of us, all of us should approach such things with reverence and awe and an awareness of the difficulty of doing it and the potential consequences, and that's why I've been tempted to forgive. But I have to say now, the possibility of that really, for me, has gone. I have to say, I'm sorry, that for not obeying the letter and the spirit, and I think we have heard that the Prime Minister did know what the letter was, the Prime Minister now should be long gone. Yeah. Madam Deputy Speaker, I'll certainly vote for this motion, but really, the Prime Minister should just know the gig's well up. 
On this show, I have called on Boris Johnson to resign because I simply do not think he is up to the job. And whilst I am still deeply disappointed in his premiership and his government, I am however starting to change my mind on this, in large part because I do not see anyone who could do the job any better. I've surprised myself with this change of position because I've never been Boris Johnson's biggest supporter and I campaigned for Jeremy Hunt in the 2019 leadership election. Yet over the last few weeks, I'm beginning to see, particularly on the international stage, the type of leader Boris Johnson can be. A Prime Minister who is unashamed in his promotion of this great country, in his development of a global Britain post-Brexit, and who has risen to the challenge of being the leader of the free world when President Biden has been absent during the Russia-Ukraine war. But one of the biggest problems Boris Johnson has is himself. Throughout his entire political career, he's been very ideologically flexible and has been able to adjust his own views and policies to the group he's trying to win support from. When he was an MP, when Tony Blair was Prime Minister, he, he was a, very much a liberal in a very socially conservative party and made a name for himself by backing civil partnership and opposing ID cards. It was a great achievement for Boris Johnson to become a Conservative Mayor of London in a city dominated by the Labour Party for decades. But to win a second term was remarkable, and he won on a socially conservative platform of tackling crime. His position has moderated upon his return to the Commons and promotion to Prime Minister through his levelling up agenda. But this constant shifting has meant that now he is Prime Minister, he has no core values and that has left his government directionless. There is evidently much to criticise Boris Johnson for, and there are a number of reasons why he should go. But the question Conservative MPs and members must weigh up is whether there is anyone who can do the job better, and I believe the answer is no. Just because he's had a strong response to the Russia-Ukraine war and a successful foreign policy, that is not the only reason to keep him in. The economy is in a very precarious position at the moment, and such an upheaval at the very top can cause great uncertainty in the markets. But if it is the case that the Prime Minister has to resign, then who are the main contenders to succeed him? Rishi Sunak, who has long been regarded as Johnson's successor, has dashed all aspirations he may have had towards moving into number 10, after overseeing a series of tax rises during a cost-of-living crisis, and being implicated in a row over his wife using non-domiciled status not to pay UK tax on overseas income, as well as having to admit to holding US residency whilst serving as Chancellor of the Exchequer and also being fined for Downing Street parties. The setbacks he has faced have, according to a number of news reports, seen him want to resign as both Chancellor and MP for Richmond in Yorkshire, and move back to California to resurrect his pre-parliamentary career. Liz Truss, another candidate for the top job, is popular with a lot of Conservative Party members, but not so much with the electorate. She's admired by many in the party for her Thatcherite views and her success as International Trade Secretary, which saw her complete trade deals with the European Union and 68 other countries with a combined value of £744 billion. Truss has been increasing her social media output to use her position as Foreign Secretary to present a Thatcher-esque image of herself and has been a, the guest speaker at fundraising events for local Conservative associations right across the country in a bid to win over members when the inevitable leadership contest does arrive, as had Sunak before his recent controversies. Other potential successors include Tom Tugendhat, Mark Harper and Penny Mordaunt. Tugendhat is the only MP to actually declare his candidacy for when the leadership becomes vacant, but despite being popular on the back benches, he has no ministerial experience which puts him at a disadvantage. Mark Harper has the experience that Tugendhat lacks, having served as David Cameron's chief whip, and has led the anti-lockdown movement in Parliament. He stood for the leadership in 2019 but was eliminated in the second round of MPs' votes, but has won a lot of support for his opposition to COVID-19 restrictions. Penny Mordaunt, who backed Jeremy Hunt in 2019, is an often overlooked figure in the party, who has an excellent track record in government, having served in Cabinet during Theresa May's premiership, and has held a number of positions in Boris Johnson's government, currently as a Trade Minister, giving her experience across a wide range of areas. Boris Johnson's future in Downing Street is far from secure, with it looking highly likely he will face a confidence vote by his own MPs by the summer. Whilst he would almost certainly win the vote, such a vote could either strengthen his position in, enough to lead the party into the next general election, or the margin of victory is so small that he would have to resign to avoid defeat later, just as Margaret Thatcher did in 1990. 
Now, later in the show, we're going to be looking at higher education and whether or not too many young people are going to university. And I'd really like to hear your thoughts on this. But in the meantime, I'd, I'd also like to hear about what you think of the Conservative Party at the moment. Whether you think Boris Johnson is the right leader at the moment, and if not, who should take over for him, uh, from him? And you can get in touch by tweeting us or DMing us on Twitter and Instagram using the handle at WizRadio. You can vote in our poll. The question of the day is, will Boris Johnson be Prime Minister by the end of the year? To vote on the poll, visit wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen to vote live. You can text us at no extra cost on the standard network rate supply at 07807 183538. You can email us station at wizardradio.co.uk and all of our contact details can be found on our website, wizardradio.co.uk. We'll be back after this. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com back let's hear what you've got to say and our first message today comes from alex alex says there is no way that boris johnson can remain as prime minister for the rest of this year people are very angry nathan and that is not fading people are not over it time after time again boris johnson has shown us that there are one set of rules for us and another set for him and his colleagues even going as far as defending matt hancock when he had an affair in his office I think it shows just how detached Boris and the rest of the Tories are that they think there is any hope that they can ride through this when normal people, no matter what party they side with, are fed up and feel so disrespected. Time after time we've been shown that this government have no respect for us and it's time that there uh, be new leadership. I'm just one of millions of people who feel this way. Well thank you for that message Alex and I agree with you in that it is so just completely wrong that uh, Boris Johnson broke his own lockdown rules, as did many of his advisers, some civil servants, and indeed uh, po possibly some other ministers. We, we need to wait for other uh, Met Police fines to be issued to confirm whether or not other ministers and uh, other government departments and buildings had been involved. But you know, you're absolutely right to say that it, it's, it has been one rule for them, one, one rule for us. I accept that and I do not condone in any way uh, what Boris Johnson did. But we, we do have to ask the question of who would take over? Who would be any better? And I, I really don't think that there is a, a clear successor at the moment or someone who has the the abilities or instincts to su succeed him at, at the moment or certainly no one that's uh, shining through anyway or uh, could, could be a, a clear front runner on the Conservative benches at the moment. And as for Matt Hancock, again, the, there was a real double standard there, initially defending Hancock's actions and then uh, uh, subsequently saying that he was right to resign. So again, there, there is a real a contradiction uh, in Boris Johnson's position, and that is untenable. You're, you're right. And I suppose the, the upcoming local elections in just under two weeks are going to be the, the the real test for the Conservative Party on whether or not this uh, has cut through. A, a lot of opinion polls have been showing that people are angry, as you say, at the Downing Street parties. But equally, there are also polls showing that the Conservatives are winning back some support after this, particularly in the wake of the war in Ukraine. So those local election results are going to be really interesting to look at. And there will be many areas where the Conservatives do really badly. And, and that will be a protest vote at what has happened in Downing Street. And there are some really fantastic and dedicated Conservative councillors 
who are defending their seats this time round, or conservative councillors who've been really active in their communities and want to become councillors to represent where they live. And they will suffer as a result of national issues. And that is a great shame and will, will really be detrimental to uh, local government, in my opinion, because to, to lose those voices who've been so dedicated, so active in their areas will be uh, it'd be a great shame to let national issues cloud that. But unfortunately, that will be the case. But, you know, it is a level of disrespect. You're, you're quite right to say that, Alex. And I think if the Prime Minister had just said right from the beginning, when this started to break in around late November, early December time, that there were parties, if he just put his hands up at the start and said, yes, we, this happened, we got this wrong, I completely apologise, then we'd be in a very, very different position. And yes, he has restructured his top team, particularly... In, in the civil service and changing his advisors as well and his director of communications to try and redefine his premiership and rebrand himself and his government and again it, it doesn't seem to be working too well but nonetheless I do think that perhaps we need to stick with it's almost better the devil you know to some respect with Boris Johnson at one time Rishi Sunak might have been the right person to take over but I think he even that he's unable to take over, particularly in the wake of his controversies. But thank you for that message, Alex. Our next message comes from Dylan. Dylan says, Nathan, you said something that really that ticked me right off. You said that you don't think Boris Johnson should resign because you can't think of anyone who could do the job better. I think by that you mean you can't think of any Tory who, would, who could do the job better. And I think uh, I would agree with that. Where you and I might differ, Nathan, is that I don't care if our next leader is Conservative or not. The fact is that our country deserves better than its current leadership. Boris Johnson is not the best leader in the world. He's not even the best leader in his own cabinet. We live in a democracy and the Conservative Party have time and time again over the past 10 plus years avoided the democratic wishes of the country by avoiding elections and staying in power far longer than they are welcome. It's time that the people have their say and we get to elect a new leader. Well, thank you for that message, Dylan. And I think... You, uh, yes, it, it would be a Conservative who takes over from Boris Johnson in the immediate term. I, th I think we can all, all agree on that because uh, as far as anyone's concerned, the, the next general election will be in 2024, um, unless rumours in the Mail on Sunday today are to be, be believed and there might be one in autumn 2023. But nonetheless, people are planning for uh, 2024 for the next election when uh, Keir Starmer will be presenting himself as a, a candidate to be Prime Minister. And... Keir Starmer has done a lot of reform to the Labour Party and he's certainly made things a lot better for them and certainly increased their chances at elections. But I'm, I'm not sure the Labour Party is ready for government just yet. And similarly, I don't, I don't think Keir Starmer would make the best prime minister. If there was a, a Labour leader who I, I did think could take over and be a good prime minister, then you know I, I would say that... the that person would be a, a good contender to take over and would present a real challenge to the Conservatives. But I don't think the party has that just yet. And that's why I think it will be a Conservative who does take over from Boris Johnson. But, you know, it, 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 it is democratic to a large extent, the fact that, you know, we do... But at general elections, we it's the largest party who takes government it's because, of course, we elect members of parliament in our own constituencies. That's how our system works. It just happens to be the party with the most MPs and can command the confidence of the House of Commons becomes the government and the governing party. And I don't think the, the Conservatives have avoided the democratic wishes of the country because the coalition in 2010 to 2015 what was unprecedented. It hadn't happened since before the Second World War. And that had to happen because that was the only way to reach some sort of majority and a legitimate majority in Parliament because the largest party was in government. Similarly, in 2017, that was Theresa May seeking a mandate to carry over Brexit. Similarly, the EU referendum was a mandate to leave the for the UK to leave the European Union. Yes, it was a tight margin, but it was still a... a clear victory nonetheless so you know we, we I, I don't i'm not sure i do agree with the idea that the conservatives have avoided the democratic wishes of the country because yes theresa may's election might not have been 
a, a good result for the Conservatives or and did create a lot of instability. But at least she did go to the people to get a mandate. And by being the largest party, she did get that mandate to a large extent. And uh, by partnering with the Democratic Unionist Party in Northern Ireland, they were also a Brexit backing party and gave her that working majority. So that, that deal she made to carry her minority government through did, did have legitimacy. Similarly, Boris Johnson's win in 2019, that was to break that deadlock the 2017 election created and indeed to re-establish the mandate to get Brexit done as Boris Johnson wanted to. So, you know, I, I, I accept your point that, you know, we, we do have to look at the Labour Party when addressing who Boris Johnson's successor might be. But I don't see there being a clear leader there, just as I don't see there being a clear leader in the Conservative Party at the moment. But thank you for that message, Dylan. Our next message comes from Gabby. Gabby says, Boris Johnson has been impressive when it comes to Ukraine. But if anything, that's felt like a slap in the face to those of us struggling in the UK. He's been this apparently great leader in helping Ukraine. But what about his own country? Why haven't we seen this apparently great leader helping our own people? In the UK, we're facing a cost of living crisis. People have never suffered as much as they are right now. There are no more cost-saving measures we can take. We just have to suffer when our families cannot pay our bills. But, this, but it's fine, because Boris Johnson is helping the Ukrainians and he's abroad, whilst also pledging to send other refugees to Rwanda. None of it makes sense, Nathan. He isn't a good leader, and the rest of the Tories need to wake up to that. Well, thank you for that message, Gabby. And I, again, I, I agree with you to some extent in that I don't think he's a, a particularly great leader, but my, my main argument is that if you think of anyone who could take over, then, you know, please let me know. Please give give suggestions because it's fine to point out where Boris Johnson's going wrong. And, you know, there are many points that we can discuss and agree that he hasn't got it right. But, you know, can we actually identify anyone who can do the job any better? I, I really don't think there is at the moment on the Conservative or the Labour benches. And so by, I suppose by having that continuity until the next general election, when maybe a, a, a candidate for leadership could come through on, on either side of the House of Commons, on either side of the debate. But, you know, you're absolutely right to point out that there's so much more Boris Johnson can do domestically to help with the cost of living crisis. And... You know, the, the measures that Rishi Sunak outlined in his spring statements were just not good enough, frankly. And, you know, cutting 5p in fuel duty, yes, it, it's a start. But to announce it early so that the uh, fuel sellers can uh, hike their prices up so that it all balances out on their own uh, 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 workings out and their own prices and margins, you know, it, it doesn't work. And there needs to be really big structural reform. And this is why I think it's that Brexit is such a good opportunity and why I think Jacob Rees-Mogg in his Brexit Opportunities Minister position is, is right in looking at where the red tape is that's been left over from the European Union, what we can do to reduce bureaucracy and re reduce unnecessary uh, taxes and uh, layers of governments which are hindering businesses and people's lives. And, you know, to use that and uh, just make life easier for people and deliver on the Brexit benefits will go far in that. And, you know, fuel duty is a big thing on that. So there's no reason why uh, fuel duty, just as an example, can't be cut by up to 20 pence per, per litre. You know, it, that, those are the things that will make a, a, a difference and not these small, uh, minute uh, interventions, which might help a little bit, but not to a large extent. But, you know, thank you for that message, Gabby. And I, I fully accept your points that, you know, just because he's been good on the international stage on Ukraine and there are uh, other things he's done, particularly on post-Brexit trade, that doesn't necessarily mean he should stay in. It, it's just a factor in why it, it might help his position. But thank you, Gabby. Our next message comes from Tom. Tom says, I agree with you, Nathan, that Boris Johnson will face a, vote in, by, a confidence vote by the summer. But even if he loses that, I don't think he would resign. You had your speech about how the Conservatives have respected democracy over the past decade, but I have to disagree with you, Nathan. Swapping leaders without an election is not respecting democracy, just because it's in the rules. Just because it's in the rules does not make it democratic. And Boris Johnson is somebody who clearly thinks he is above the rules anyway. It is not unimaginable that he would stay in power and just ignore the outcome if it wasn't in his favour. 
But at least we agreed that there will be a vote by the summer, I guess. Well, thank you for that message, Tom. And yeah, yes, it, it does look highly likely that he will face a confidence vote by the summer, and perhaps even sooner if Boris Johnson loses the upcoming Wakefield by-election. Uh, the, the, the Conservatives won Wakefield in 2019 uh, by a very, very narrow majority, and there's going to be a by-election following a criminal conviction of the incumbent MP Imran Ahmed Khan. But... You know, the Conservatives have respect. They have respected democracy, and you know, swapping leaders without an election. I, I accept that in in the case of Theresa May, that that was um, undemocratic to a large extent because she basically became prime minister unopposed after all her other opponents dropped out or were eliminated. But that's why she went for the general election in 2017. Now, yes, okay, it didn't produce a majority. But at least she came away as the largest party and gained, and her party gained the most votes. Again, on a platform to not, not only create a, a Brexit deal and uh, confirm the UK's departure from the European Union, but also on a platform of uh, reducing regional inequalities and I suppose laying the groundwork for what Boris Johnson would call levelling up. But again, in, in Boris Johnson's uh, uh, succession uh, into becoming leader of the Conservative Party, you know, he faced a ballot of uh, party members uh, because it is the largest party who governs. And yes, e even though there's a change in leader, the, the makeup of the party remains the same, whoever the, the prime minister is, until there is an, an election. So he did face a, a ballot on members and there was a lot, there was a lot of scrutiny throughout the leadership election. There were uh, hustings across the country. I, I attended a few and, uh, you, you know, the, there was real scrutiny of, of both Boris Johnson and Jeremy Hunt at the time. Members were asking questions, challenging their positions, questioning certain policies. And, you know, the, the fact that they were also being interviewed as well during the hustings by, I, I believe it was Ian Dale from LBC who did most of them. You know, they did not have a particularly easy time during that leadership election. They were challenged constantly and repeatedly. So, you know, I, I, and again, in delivering the EU referendum results to, you know, to make Brexit a reality, that is democratic. But no, I, I do accept that argument that, you know, there are certain aspects of our political system that are undemocratic. The inability to elect a, a prime minister directly uh, you know, that, that does contribute to that uh, anti-democratic debate. But fundamentally, our system works on the, the party which com and has the most votes and the leader who can get, uh, command the confidence of the House. That That is where our system works. But thank you for that message, Tom. And a reminder that to get involved, you can tweet us or DM us on Twitter and Instagram using the handle at Radio. And you can vote in our poll. The question of the day is, will Boris Johnson still be Prime Minister by the end of the year? To vote on the poll, visit wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen to vote live. And of course, you can find all our contact details on our website at wizardradio.co.uk. Later on in the show, we will be looking at higher education and whether or not there are too many young people going to university. So I'd really like to hear from you on this. Uh, as I say, all the contact details can be found on our website. We'll be back right after this. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back. Let's go to some more of your messages. And our next message comes from Sam. Sam says... I think there is somebody ready to be leader, Nathan, and his name is Keir Starmer. Clearly, you don't like him, but Keir Starmer is more popular than Boris Johnson and Rishi Sunak, according to a YouGov poll. You talk about democracy. This is democracy. The more popular uh, leader, the more popular leader should lead, especially whilst the current leader is so unpopular and has actually broken the law whilst in office. It's mind-blowing to me that we are even having this conversation. A prime minister that is wildly unpopular and broke the law is not being held to account. I actually used to swing more conservative, but it's because of delusion like this that I had to swap sides. Well, thank you for that message, Sam. And 
I mean, on on Keir Starmer, you know, I'm I'm sure he's done a lot of good work in reforming the Labour Party. I, f I fully accept that, but I don't think he is ready to be prime minister. I don't think the the Labour Party is ready to enter government just yet. And Keir Starmer isn't squeaky clean in the whole Partygate thing as well. He he was even found to be uh, having drinks in his office and ho hosting quizzes, etc. During. Uh, lockdown restrictions and yet he called for more restrictions he called for uh, introducing vaccine passports he introduced uh, he was calling for uh, uh, mandatory mask wearing in a, a number of venues and expanding uh, the restrictions that the government had in place during the lockdown so you know th there is a, a certain level of contradiction in Keir Starmer's position when yes he's not been sanctioned for uh, his actions so far we don't know what uh, any metropolitan police investigations are looking at there was a, a, a statement from durham police over the weekend that they are looking into uh keir starmer as well and uh, his actions when he visited uh dur during uh, a period of lockdown but you know we, we will see what what the public really thinks of this because opinion polls like those yougov does they, they give a, an idea that they're there to obviously take a sample of the public and, uh, you know, they, they have all sorts of equations and uh, mathematical solutions to work out what the country thinks. But fundamentally, the only way we'll get any idea of what the country really thinks is on the 5th of May at the local elections. And yes, local elections factor in a number of issues and uh, every council and ward will have their own issues at play and uh, factors to consider at elections. But fundamentally... No, ma no matter what, national issues will always play into it at local elections. And, you know, we, we will just have to see whether or not the uh, Conservatives do well or not, or if Keir Starmer is able to win over uh, more voters. At the uh, local elections last year, uh, I mean, the, the Labour Party lost a lot of uh, support and lost a lot of votes. And uh, again, in large part, that was because of the... Uh, government's successes in the vaccine rollout uh, in particular and you know get, getting covid cases to manageable rates and that was reflected but the labor party had again lost councils and seats in in red wall areas areas that turned conservative in 2019 you know the labor party had held durham county council for over 100 years and they they lost control over it the labor party is still the largest party in the count in durham council but they no longer have overall control so that just gives you an example of uh, what Keir Starmer is up against at the moment and you know, if, if he is able to make some gains in the red wall and again the Wakefield by-election that's going to happen uh, what well, is projected to happen in June again that's going to be quite interesting to to see and whether or not he is capable of uh, retaking that area but you know I, I accept your points that you know Keir Starmer, as leader of the opposition, is a candidate to become prime minister, but I just don't think he is ready to be leader. But thank you for that message, Sam. Our next message comes from Charlie. Charlie says there needs to be another election much sooner than January 2025. Since the last election, we've had Brexit, Covid, the prime minister's broken the law, a war in Ukraine, a cost of living crisis, changes to our constitution with Covid measures, and Boris Johnson has overseen a period of time that has changed British life forever. And now it's time for us to be able to show whether we support support him still or not. But the only reason why there won't be an election sooner is because Boris and the Conservatives, you included Nathan, know that if there was an election tomorrow, they would lose. It would probably end up being a, a Labour-Lib Dem coalition because the votes would get split. But just because the leading party think they might not win, that isn't a good enough reason for me to think there not to be a Democratic vote. Well, thank you for that message, Charlie. And... Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't mind a, a general election. I, I'm, I'm not bothered. I'm, I'm conf I, I have the confidence that the Conservatives will uh, be the largest party at the general election. I believe Conservative governments are better for, for the country than Labour governments. That's why I'm a member of the Conservative Party. And uh, you know, I, I, I have my criticisms of Boris Johnson, as, as listeners know. And, but again, I just don't see there being any alternative to him at the moment. And, you know, it, it, it does look like that there will be a general election so, much sooner than January 2025. According to uh, the, the legislation, that, that is the final point at which a, an election can be held. But it's looking most likely to be May 2024. 
And again, there have been rumours around uh, maybe autumn 2023, but nonetheless, most, if not all, political parties are working towards May 2024 for the next general election. But, you know, the, the votes would get split. You're, you're right. And uh, in many areas to really uh, uh, tackle the Conservatives, particularly uh, in the southeast and uh, in parts of the uh, southwest as well, where it's quite tight between the Conservatives and the Liberal Democrats, there, there will be a number of uh, Labour Liberal uh, packs to make stand down candidates in certain areas or even do uh, packs with other smaller parties to make it a, a two horse race. Uh, I know near me, for example, there are rumours that the, the Labour Party might stand down in the constituency of Hazel Grove, where uh, Conservative William Ragg represents the seat. William Ragg, who we heard in the uh, uh, in my uh, opening remarks earlier on in his uh, in the clip we played before, he, he'd been very critical of Boris Johnson. But it's looking like Labour Party might stand down in, in that seat and uh, throw their support behind the Liberal Democrats. So, you know, there are different factors at play and, uh, you know, just just because there has been a lot of upheaval, that doesn't mean there needs to be elections right now. It, it just means that when the elections do come, then, you know, that that's when we need to start thinking about these things. But thank you for that message, uh, Charlie. And our next message comes from Esther. Esther says, I actually agree with you, Nathan, that Keir Starmer is not ready to be prime minister. It wouldn't be good for our country. Now Boris isn't good for our country either, but we're back in a position where no option is a good one. Anyone, uh, that, that isn't the point of my message. I want to say that whatever happens in the local elections, I don't think that that is actually a reflection of the views of the country. The local elections tend to get fought on local issues, and whichever way this goes, no party can call the local elections a victory. My family is nationally Labour, but we vote Conservative for local elections because our Conservative candidates really understands our community. So I know I know that there will be a lot of talk around that, but people shouldn't conflate the two. Well, thank you for that message, Esther, and I completely agree with you. I, I'm i a real champion of uh, local government and uh, promoting local democracy. I think it's fantastic that we have a, a system where uh, we have uh, three, uh, three councillors in many areas per ward, and they, they act on our behalf on uh, the what, what can be small issues, but really affect people's lives. And to have those community champions as well is really crucial. And yes, local elections factor in so many issues that it is impossible to uh, get a, a national idea of what's going to happen. Because, again, there are so many variables, be it uh, uh, issues with roads or uh, issues embedded within the council or what, you know, whatever it may be. There are so many factors that in different council areas but that doesn't but my main point is that national issues always play into local elections and it, it, it's not the main issue but they do certainly influence the way people think and the way people vote studies have shown that consistently so my main point really is that you know yes the local elections are about local issues and choosing councillors and who we want to control our councils and deliver local services but national issues will play into this and many people will want to who, who may usually support the conservatives may want to uh, cast a, a protest vote and say support the labor party or liberal democrats to show that they are not happy with the way the country is being run at the moment and you know that is certainly something to consider but we will have to wait and find out what the results are once the votes have been cast on the 5th of may thank you for that message esther now we're going to move away from boris johnson and the conservative party to look at higher education and whether or not we should be encouraging so many young people to go to university. Now, earlier this week, former Prime Minister Sir Tony Blair told the media that he believes there are not enough young people going to university and that we should be seeing 70% of school leavers go on to further study in order to stop what he's calling a productivity crisis. Now, when Blair was in government, he set a quota for 50% of school leavers to go on to higher education by 2020 rising to 60% by 2030 and 70% by 2040. Today, approximately 53% of school leavers currently go on to higher education. Now, this suggestion has provoked a very mixed reaction from policymakers, researchers and teachers. The Tony Blair Institute for Global Change commissioned a report on universities and made the case for increasing enrolments. And one of the contributors to this report is the former universities minister, Lord Johnson of Marlebone, who is also Boris Johnson's brother. Lord Johnson wrote that 
I quote, we still don't have enough highly skilled individuals to fill today. And as we continue to mature as a knowledge economy, more jobs will be generated in sectors that disproportionately employ graduates. Well, the chairman of the House of Commons Education Select Committee, Robert Halfon, completely disagreed with the findings of Blair's report. Listen to what he had to say about it. I do think that Tony Blair is fundamentally uh, fundamentally wrong. Um, we know that many thousands of students who go to university are whacking up huge loans but not getting good graduate skill jobs at the end. And what the manager should be is not university, 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 university. It should be skills, skills, uh, skills. And what Tony Blair should have done is said, I'd like to see uh, millions of young people do apprenticeships and technical education as well as university. Why didn't Tony Blair say, well, why not have a 50% target of students doing degree apprenticeships? These are higher apprenticeships. There's no debt at all. In fact, students get paid at the same time. They earn while they learn and they're virtually guaranteed to get a good skilled job in the company they've done that degree apprenticeship in. So to me, it is a no brainer. Whilst we are undoubtedly moving towards a knowledge economy, as Lord Johnson says, I disagree with the idea that only graduates can fill that gap. The digital economy, for example, is thriving and the future is without question online. But if you wish to pursue a career in digital industries, you do not need to take out a loan for a degree and saddle yourself with upwards of £50,000 of debt for the next 40 years, following the government's new student finance reforms, just to get a job. There are so many high quality courses and qualifi qualifications you can do in computer science or digital communications for a fraction of the price of a degree. Even encouraging schools to offer computer science GCSE or A-levels would offer students the required knowledge and necessary skills to start a career in the digital sector. And this is not to say that we should stop encouraging young people to go to university altogether. I'm at university at the moment and I know it was the right decision for me because I enjoy research and further study. However, there are people I know who are on degree courses because their schools and colleges push them down that path when they would be far better suited either doing an apprenticeship or just going straight into work. If anything, Blair's policy of 50% of school leavers going to university not only hampered many young people who went on to complete unsuitable degrees, it hampered governments with a debt trap as the Treasury has been forced to write off over £12 billion in student loan debts which are wiped after 30 years. By promoting technical and skills education from an early age, young people would see far more options for themselves in the job market and many would learn a trade and make a successful career that way, rather than do a degree just for the sake of it. One of the few things I will praise former Education Secretary Sir Gavin Williamson for, and yes, he really did get a knighthood last month, is the creation of T-Levels, which are new qualifications specifically designed to teach skills and trades in areas like agriculture, digital industries and social care. And they will go far in equipping young people who do not want to go to university for the job market. There is also the argument about which type of course or university you go to. There are the Mickey Mouse degrees, which offer little to no contribution to society, such as golf management, as Lincoln University once offered. And the government is quite rightly at making sure universities are not taking students for granted with courses like these. But equally, we should look at the role of lower ranking universities and what they have to play in society. There are the ancient universities like Oxford, Cambridge and St Andrews and the Russell Group universities, which consistently rank highly in global league tables. And students go there from around the world just so they can have a degree from those universities. However, there is also a place for what are called the post-92 universities, which are the former polytechnics which John Major converted into universities in 1992 to create more educational opportunities for students. And studies have found that post-92 universities make a larger contribution to their local economy than the more prestigious ones and fill more job vacancies, as it's mostly local students who attend them and they stay where they study, whereas young people will travel to study at the higher ranking institutions leaving those towns and cities to hire from elsewhere. And of course, people who attend university go there for so much more than just a degree, as they can meet new people and try new things in the process. But until the education system realises that there is more to life than a degree, the treasury black hole of written-off loans will expand, and more degrees might mean lower-valued degrees. 
So do you think Tony Blair is right and we should have more young people going to university? Please get in touch and let me know what you think. You can find all of our contact details on our website at www.wizardradio.co.uk. And please do vote in our poll if you haven't already, which you can find on our website. The question of the day is, will Boris Johnson still be Prime Minister by the end of the year? And we'll be back just after this. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What of your messages? And our next message comes from Danielle. Danielle says, I actually don't think too many or too few people are going to university. I think it's quite balanced. I'm in sixth form at the moment and all of my friends have made our decisions now and it wasn't easy. There are so many options to choose from, apprenticeships, university, internships, etc. And what we have all just gone through is a period of time really thinking about what we want, trying to make the best decision for ourselves. Maybe it's just my school. But my teachers were really supportive of whatever decision we made, not just pushing us to go to university, but just making sure we had a plan for after sixth form so that we can be progressing in our lives. But maybe that was just my experience. Hopefully not, though, because it doesn't matter what route you take after school, in my opinion, as long as it's the right one for you. Well, thank you for that message, Danielle. And yeah, absolutely. I I completely agree with you there. You know, we we should all take take decisions that are the right ones for us, as you quite rightly say there. But there, there are a lot of schools and colleges across the country who are pushing their students to go on to university and to further study because of those quotas and because of those targets that have been set in government. And yeah, you know, those those quotas have to be reached for certain departments to get a, a sustained funding or to, to get increased funding as well. So, you know, it's, it's not just schools and colleges who are affected by this, it's universities as well, because they, they need students to maintain their, their income. And you know, the, the loss of student grants when they were replaced by student loans meant that universities were almost entirely dependent on uh, getting students through the door and enrolled and uh, studying at those institutions. But, you know, you're quite right to say there are so many options to choose from. And especially apprenticeships. There are some fantastic apprenticeships out there at the moment, which I don't think get the, the right level of attention. And, you know, perhaps because of the there being so many quotas now to get as many students as possible into universities and get over that 50% mark, you know, perhaps in some cases, and I, I certainly found this through, through my school experience, there was, to a large extent, a stigma attached to apprenticeships. You know that uh, you're going there because you you couldn't go to university, and because you you uh, some people thought it was because people weren't weren't clever enough to go to university, and that's just wrong. It's completely wrong. Apprenticeships are a fantastic opportunity for so many people, and again, as Robert Halfham was saying in the clip before, the, the having the option to learn while you earn is really valuable and can make a massive difference to uh, people's lives. And again, the idea of degree apprenticeships as well, doing a, a, a degree whilst you're working as well and learning a, a trade gives you more skills that, again, just going down the academic route wouldn't necessarily give you. So again, the, these options are, re, they're, they're expanding constantly and especially as T-levels start to become more popular. You know, I think they can really start to make difference and the future is not entirely academic there is a skills shortage at the moment and by promoting other avenues we can really start to address those gaps but thank you for that message danielle our next message comes from toby toby says i disagree with tony blair on this i think that too many people are going to university my school has just started talking to us about post a level options and i can already tell that they are trying really trying to push us down the university path if you want a certain type of job then university is clearly the obvious path being a doctor, vet, pilot, accountant, banker, etc. These old-fashioned traditional roles that you, you need certain types of qualifications for. But most roles are not those roles anymore, especially with a lot of digital jobs that are more creative or really just require a lot of experience. 
I think it comes down to how the schools are ranked, but most people won't be doctors or accountants, nor should they be, and those people shouldn't go to university. Well, thank you for that message, Toby, and I completely agree with you on this. And it, there, there are so many uh, careers and sectors where the, the, it has become a requirement that you need a degree to uh, enter those areas when previously you wouldn't need to. Uh, nursing, for example, if you, if you want to become a nurse, you, you need to have a degree now. And, or, or similarly for, to, to be a midwife. And you, you don't need a degree to, to be a nurse or a midwife because, you know, again, similarly with T-levels, you know, that they're, they're offering courses in the social care sector and there are nursing courses as well you can do within those that, that mean there is less of a need for a degree. And to learn those skills and learn on the job as well as nurses have done for decades and decades before the reform was needed uh, more recently to make it so that a degree had to be uh, gained before you can... Uh, apply for jobs in nursing or midwifery. It, you know, th there have been some fantastic uh, nurses and midwives across, across the country, across the world, who did not go to university and uh, were some of the best nurses that a hospital could have. So, that, I mean, that's just one example of why you, you don't always need a degree. But I don't want to completely bash university in this. You know, as I say, I'm a university student at the moment, and I, I've, I've got a lot of advantages from, from being at university. I've had access to certain courses, certain opportunities, that, that are for graduates because graduates go into the job market looking for this. But thank you for that message, uh, Toby. And that's all the time we have for this week. Uh, but before we go, let's check in with the final poll result. 61% of you say Boris Johnson uh, will, uh, will be Prime Minister by the end of the year. 39% of you say no, he will not. Well, thank you to everyone who's listened to this week's episode and thanks to everyone who's sent in messages live. If your message wasn't read out this week, then please do try again next week. I'm Nathan Eckersley, and I'll be back at the same time, same place, next week. Goodbye. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.